Hello, Paris Review podcast listeners. This is John Delore. I'm one of the producers on the podcast. And yes, we are working on a new fourth season of the Paris Review podcast. But until those episodes start to drop, we wanted to tell you about another literary podcast that we think you're really going to like. It's called Well-Read Black Girl, and it is hosted by Glory Edom. She started the Well-Read Black Girl book club in 2015, and since then it's exploded into this passionate worldwide reading community. And now Glory has launched the Well-Read Black Girl podcast, a place to tune in, turn the page, and celebrate the written word, which we know all of you love to celebrate. On the show, Glory has deep, honest conversations with today's cutting-edge authors of color about the art, craft, and power of literature. And you're going to hear from luminaries like Tarana Burke, Jacqueline Woodson, Britt Bennett, Anita Hill, a whole lot more, all talking about how they found their voice, honed their craft, and composed some of the most impactful writing of the day. You're also going to meet Black bookstore owners, literacy advocates, and well-read Black Girl Book Club members themselves. They join the podcast to talk about what they're reading and how they celebrate the legacies of literary women who have paved the way. Now, here's a preview of Glory's conversation with Korean-American author and teacher Min Jin Lee. Min talks about how reading can radicalize young people in a good way and how we can use storytelling to approach a new reality by creating a version of the world that we want to see. We really hope you enjoy this podcast and you can hear more episodes of Well-Read Black Girl wherever you get your podcasts. You're not only a phenomenal writer, you're also an incredible lawyer as well. And your trajectory has just had so many unconventional turns. Um, and you, <laughs> But can we start at the beginning on how you even decided to write this story, how you even changed from being a lawyer to being a writer? What was that process like for you? Oh, gosh, I was, I was 25. I was 20. No, I'm sorry. I was 25 when I was really unhappy as a lawyer. So I was a lawyer for one year. Wow, and then okay. 26, I was still working really hard as a lawyer. <laughs> and then one day I got a really super hard assignment after finishing another super hard assignment. I had billed 300 hours in the office in a month. Mm-hmm. That means that you never, ever, ever go home. So I would go to work seven days a week. And then on Sunday morning, I would go to church and then I'd go right back to work. Mm-hmm. And I thought, this is insane. And then after I finished this assignment, the partner said to me, oh, you have another one. And then I just said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I was not prepared to quit, Glory. I was not prepared to quit. And then I wrote my first novel, which got rejected everywhere. I wrote a second novel, which was a precursor to Pachinko. And then I wrote another novel, which became Free Food for Millionaires, which I published in 2007. So I quit in 1996, no, no, 1995. Mm -hmm. And then I published in 2007 which means it took 12 years to publish a book. So when I seem grateful to have published two books, <laughs> it comes out of the space of it takes longer for us. It just takes longer for us. And I don't care if anybody wants to contradict me. It takes longer for women. It takes longer for women of color. It takes longer for people of color and women of color and white women. It just, it takes longer if you don't have connections, mm-hmm. if you don't, have powerful friends and it's fine. You just keep going. You just keep going. 
But what motivated me to write Pachinko, which is my second book, was a story that I heard in college, and I carried that with me. Yeah, I I love the first line of Pachinko. History has failed us, but no matter. And I'm thinking so much of the present moment and mm-hmm. the work that you do as I mean, would you call yourself a historian? Do you feel like you sit and at that seat as a literary historian? Oh, golly. You know, that's a real honorific for me because I have so much respect for history and for historians. But I think real historians, they are hampered and circumscribed by trying to literally document every single thing they want to say. I try to approach it like a journalist, historian, sociologist, anthropologist, and a little bit like a legal person Mm -hmm. because I'm so pissed about everything. Like I'm so angry about everything around the world because I'm so disappointed. People don't think I'm an angry person when they meet me, but inside I'm pissed. I just want you to know that behind this smile, I'm really angry because I think things are so unfair. I think things are so unfair. And I think it's because I'm so attached to fairness for the world, for everybody, that even when I'm really happy, there's a part of me that feels so heartbroken about the fact that there's so much poverty. And I'm also really upset about how people get away with shit and how things are so unfairly done. And I'm trying to figure out, well, how does my work as a writer approach that? What can I do to sort, sort of create change? And somewhere along the line, I've decided that somehow telling stories, either in fiction or in nonfiction, we can approach a new reality. So even though I'm writing history for my second book, in a way, I'm actually creating a new version of the world that I want. That was a preview of Well-Read Black Girl. You can hear more episodes wherever you get your podcasts. And stay tuned to this feed for more from the Paris Review podcast. Thanks for listening, and we will talk to you soon.